Well, uh, welcome again to Vision Sunday. I'm Liam. Uh, it's great to be back up here. I've had a bit of a breather, uh, but it is really good to be back. Uh, now, I just want to flag right now that we're going to have a question time after the sermon. So we'll, uh, we'll sing after, after the sermon finishes, then I'll jump back up for a bit of a question time before Rob finishes off. So if, you, if anything uh, pops up as I'm talking, you have any questions, you have any comments, there's anything you disagree with, uh, please note it down. There'll be a chance for you to ask that. Uh, if you don't want to ask it in front of everyone else, I'm here all week. So, you know, you can, uh, you can come and see me after church, over dinner, or uh, give me a call during the week. Uh, now, this afternoon, I want to warn you, first of all, sorry to start like that, but I want to warn you of a, of a lurking danger that, by definition, we're comfortable with. A, a danger that we are comfortable with by definition. And that is the danger of getting familiar. The danger of getting familiar, of getting comfortable with something. See, see when something gets familiar, uh, it's normal. And when something gets familiar, we, we just do it. And we often never ask, why am I doing this? Uh, it can happen in all sorts of places in life. I, I think a big place it can happen in, in life quite often is in relationships. Uh, things that we do even just being in the relationships, they can become familiar. And the things we do can become normal and we can stop thinking, why am I doing this? Whether it's a date night, uh, whether it's uh, catching up with a friend for a cuppa, uh, or whether it's the relationship itself. Uh, if we don't think about why we're doing this, it can become familiar. It can become comfortable and we're just going through the motions. Uh, it can end up that we, there's no heart in it. It's just something that we do. We can end up doing something, but, but not actually achieving anything by our action. And, and the terrible danger is that you might wake up one day completely disillusioned. And you might just stop doing it because you've forgotten why you started doing that in the first place. So it, it can happen in all sorts of places. It can happen with eating habits, with exercise. It can happen with the things we do with our children. Uh, if we're not intentional, it can happen in relationships and it can happen in our spiritual life, particularly with church. Uh, because if you start coming to church, pretty soon it becomes normal. Well, that's what happens when you do things again and again and again. It becomes normal, it becomes familiar. And some of us have been coming to church longer than we care to admit. And once you've been a while, around a while, you sort of know what to expect. We generally know what to do. And at that point, the danger hits. So easy to slip into autopilot, just to, to act without thinking, because this is what I do. To forget why it is we're here. Why did I come? Why do I do what I do? It's easy to end up doing what's not most important. It's, and, and if that goes on, one day it's easy to wake up and wonder, why am I here? If that goes on, it's easy one day to start thinking, why am I bothering with church? What's the point? Because I've just been going through the motions. It's just autopilot. It's just familiar. Now, now I don't think we're anywhere near that place as a church. And those of you I know well seem to be a long way from there personally. But it's not a problem we want to wait till it's chronic to address. It's not an issue you wait and you think, oh, well, I'll, I'll wait till that gets a bit worse before I deal with it. It's not a problem we want to treat when it's advanced or even when it's growing. It's something that we need to and can treat preventatively. And that's the best thing we can do is to 
to treat this problem before it becomes a problem, before it's an issue. Now, now we already do that in sermons. We do it in home groups. We especially do it in Under the Bonnet, our membership course. Uh, But we need to make sure we ask and answer this question front and centre, that we have a really clear vision, uh, as Rob talked about, a, a really clear direction, a strong and convincing answer to these questions. The questions like, why are we here? We need to have a really strong and clear answer to the questions, uh, why does Lake Mac Church exist? Why are we here? Why do we exist? Uh, this is the question we're asking to, and, and seeking an answer for today. Uh, but who do we ask? Who do we turn to for, those, for these answers? See, see, we could look inside ourselves. We could talk about it. I could stop. We could have a chat. We could see why we're all here, do a survey. But, but the answers would differ from person to person, depending on our background, our family values, depending on our experiences. We could ask our culture. We could go down in the street and see what people reckon, uh, see what our, our culture thinks uh, Lake Mac Church should be here for. Uh, but that would be even worse, depending on their varied values and, and ideas about church. We get a huge range of ideas about why does a church exist. Uh, we could just look to our leaders, to, to myself and to Rob and to Ellis. Uh, surely that would be simple, wouldn't it? We could, we could probably come up with something. And yes, we probably could come up with something simple and coherent. But that's no good either because Lake Mac Church, it's not here because of Rob or Ellis or myself. I thank God every day that it's not the church of Liam. Uh, Lake Mac Church, in case you haven't noticed, uh, is a Christian church. It's a church of Jesus Christ. Uh, that, that's who we are. And so as we, we search for answers, for answers, as we do every week, uh, for direction and purpose, as we ask why are we here, why do we exist, we're going to turn to our boss, to our founder, to our king, to our God. We're going to turn to Jesus once again for answers because it's his church. Uh, now, I want to take a moment now to ask you always... I say this regularly, but please always test whatever we or anyone else says at this church or any church. Please don't take what I say for granted. Don't just think, oh yeah, Liam's got it right. Don't don't ever think that. I I want you to listen. Uh, Listen carefully. Please check whatever is said or taught in a church against what Jesus says. See, we're so lucky, we're so blessed to have the Bible where we have accurately recorded the words of Jesus the words of his authorised apostles. So, so when you're in church, when you're listening to a sermon or any teaching in a church, uh, listen to that with your ears tuned, uh, not to me, but to Scripture. H- have your ears tuned to, to Scripture. Uh, and so uh, see if what I say is in tune, is in line with what you're reading in your Bible. Is it from or is it consistent with what the Bible says? And if it isn't, Please come and t- tell me. Please come and talk to us. Now, this might come as a shock to you, but I'm not perfect. Sorry. Uh, please come and see us if you feel something we're saying or doing isn't from the Bible. If you feel that what we're doing uh, needs improving or isn't in tune with what Jesus says. Uh, if this or any other church persists with teaching that isn't from the Bible, that isn't in line with the principles that Jesus lays down, I want to encourage you to get out there, get out of there as fast as you can. And it may even mean getting out of here as fast as you can if it comes to that. Um, now, my prayer is that that will never be necessary here at Lake Mac. 
which is why we, as usual, will be opening the Bible uh, to, uh, to answer these questions. Uh, Rob's going to reset the aircon for us, uh, and then uh, we're going to keep going. First, we're going to open the Bible, uh, and we're going to see what Jesus commands us. Uh, then we'll move on, uh, and we're going to see what this will look like for, as a church, as a group of people. Uh, the gathered people of God. And finally, we're going to see what that's going to mean for us, particularly here at Lake Mac Church as we look at our vision and values. Uh, So let's jump in uh, what Jesus commands us. Now, earlier Julie read for us uh, Luke's account of Jesus' last instructions to the disciples. Uh, This was after the crucifixion. So Jesus had suffered, he'd been crucified, he'd been buried, he'd raised from the dead three days later. So this is after all that. Um... And, and, and this is uh, when Jesus is showing his disciples uh, that everything that had happened to him, this is where he said everything that had happened to him were the things that must happen. That's what he said. These are the things that were written about me. These things must happen. Uh, they're the things that God promised would happen in advance. And then he went on to describe these things. He listed off a few of the things. He says, this is what is written. This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And I want to point out here that it's not only that Jesus coming, uh, his atoning death, his burial and resurrection from the dead. It's not only those things that were promised. It's not only those things that Jesus did that must happen. Uh, But it's also what comes after. The spread of the message is lumped in with what Jesus did. Uh, The spread of the message too must happen. It it must be preached because this is what is written. This is what has been promised. Um, Repentance for the forgiveness of sins must happen. Preaching for that. Uh, That's also promised. And we're not left in any doubt. uh, Not left in any doubt about who must do this preaching Because over in Matthew's record of the same event, Matthew records some extra words that Jesus said. Um, We'll pick up in Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came to them and he says, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always, always to the very end of the age. Now, in this passage, we're not going to have time to step through it slowly. And there is some incredible stuff buried in here. Uh, First of all, did you see that Jesus, this risen king, has been given all authority? Uh, All authority, not not some authority, not most authority, all authority. Uh, and, And his authority, you'll notice, is over heaven and on earth. Uh, in shorthand, that's, that's everywhere. Uh, the Bible begins with these words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's shorthands for God created everything. That, that's where Jesus' authority extends to everywhere. And what's more, this, this all-powerful God, Jesus, who, who loves us so much, he came to die in our place. He loves us so much, he came to offer us freedom from sin and death and forgiveness and adoption into God's family. This amazing God who has authority, all authority, everywhere, promises to be with his people always. Uh, These are just some of the gems we don't have time to look at today. 
I, I, I could camp here all day, but, but I won't because we're asking. The question we've got is why are we here? Why do we exist? Now, now we regularly see as we, we work through sermons, as we do home groups, we regularly see what Jesus uh, has, has done for us. We, we see that again and again. We, we see how it is that we come to be part of his family. And it's, it's not through what we do. It's not through any effort. It's all of what he has done. So, so we see that again and again. Uh, and if you want to know more about that, if you're not a Christian, you're a bit fuzzy on the details, if you want a reminder, come and see me. I would like nothing more than to, to go through the fundamentals, the, the basics of Christianity with you. Uh, but today... Now that we're here, uh, now that we're gathered as a church, uh, we know how we're here, Jesus has brought us, how we've been forgiven. Now that we're here, what are we to do? Well, sandwiched in between that declaration of authority uh, and the promise to be with us is a very clear instruction. So so let's step through this passage, verse 19 and 20 of Matthew 28. Uh, And the first thing you see is that therefore, uh, therefore, uh, Jesus says, and, and that's the because. That's what therefore means. Because, well, what came before? Because of the authority I've been given everywhere. Uh, because he rose from the dead and is victorious and has all authority. That's why this must happen. Therefore, he says, because I've risen, because I have authority, something must happen. You must go. Go, he writes. Uh, don't stay, don't huddle in your church, don't stay in your little group. Don't get cosy. You know, don't, don't do that. You've got to go. Uh, and you've got a task to do. He says, go and make disciples of the nations. Make disciples. Now, now the, the word disciple, it can mean a learner or a follower. Uh, in the context, uh, back in the day, a disciple uh, wanted to... It's basically a bit like an apprentice. Hands-on apprentice who would follow their master everywhere. Uh, not just follow them absently, but follow them watching, learning, listening, imitating. Uh, that's what a disciple is. And Jesus says, I want you, uh, because of my power and my authority everywhere, to go and make more disciples, more followers, uh, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, th- this isn't the, the Son going rogue. This isn't all about Jesus. This is a, a whole thing. We're baptised into the three persons of God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Uh, This is our amazing God that wants to baptise us into his name. Uh, We looked at that when we uh, baptised Lawrence and Kylie not that long ago. It's a naming ceremony. Baptise them into the name of God's family. We get a new last name. How exciting is that? Uh, And don't just baptise them and leave them, give them a ticket and say, you're right, here's your escape from hell free card, off you go. Uh, baptise them and then do more. Teach them, he says. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Uh, And if you follow the logic of this passage, if Jesus is saying, teach them to obey everything I've taught you or everything I've commanded you, that includes what I've just taught you. I just taught you, I'm teaching now, he says, I'm teaching you to go and make disciples. And you teach those disciples everything I've taught you, which includes... Go and make disciples. Uh, This is an instruction not just to the disciples who were there, but to all followers of Jesus, all disciples. This is part of the obeying everything that Jesus taught. This is what we are to do. As Christians, all Christians everywhere until Jesus returns, 
This is our task. This is our purpose in life. This is our goal. Now, we we do have to take an extra step and show that this should be the focus of the church, not just of the individual Christians. See, the word church uh, literally means gathering. That's the literal translation. And some Christians say, yes, yes, you know, that... That's the task of individual Christians. When we leave this building, yeah, we we need to be about that, making disciples. Uh, But the church should be focused on learning, on maturing, on growing. The church doesn't have anything to do with this. That's the task of individual Christians. Now, now some people would say say that, but but to me, that well, one, that just seems a bit silly. That doesn't seem to make sense. Uh, But it's also not what the Bible shows us. Now, I want to flick over to Ephesians. It'll be on the screen. Um, And and we'll see what this looks like as a church. We're going to see what this looks like as a community of Christians. So it'll be in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. uh, And here's the Apostle Paul writing a letter to Christians to a church, uh, a group like us. And here's the instructions. Here's what he teaches them. He says, so Christ, that's Jesus, gave... Uh, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And uh, this is a letter to people like us, to Christians, to a church, a group of believers And what Paul highlights is that Jesus Christ, he gives something. He he gives a gift to the church. He gives to his church what they need to do the job. And the gift that he gives is a team of specialists. He he says, church, you, you have this task before you. I will give you a gift to help you. The gift is the specialists. Christians who are particularly gifted in certain areas. Uh, and, and that's what he says. There's this list. But, but do you notice in here what it is that these specialists are to do? Are they responsible for achieving the vision that Jesus has set for all Christians? No. They're the equippers. They're the trainers. That's what equip means, to train, to, to skill someone up, to give them the tools they need to be able to do a job. They, the specialists, are there to equip everyone else. To skill up the whole church. Every member. No one's excluded. And it's not these specialists who build up the church. It's the church together who will achieve Jesus' vision. Building up the body of Christ. The church together will achieve this. No no one small group of particularly gifted specialists in their area are going to be able to do it. The whole church needs to do this. That is how it's going to happen. And that brings us full circle. Now, back to Jesus' instructions in Matthew 28. Uh, Making disciples, making new disciples, and and teaching them uh, to obey. That's what Jesus' instructions tell us. Go and make new disciples and teach them to obey. Uh, So get more disciples and grow deeper disciples. Mature them. Uh, That's the two aspects of building the church that we find in Ephesians 4. If you're going to build the church, you do that in a couple of ways. You build it numerically, with numbers, new members. You can't be building a church if you're not adding new members. It's like building a building but not putting in any new bricks. 
You, you need new members. That's how you grow the church. So getting more disciples. But it's not just that. Uh, it's also growing. It's building up the church in strength, in maturity, in faith, in love, in, in action. So, so it's both. And these passages mirror each other. And Ephesians is just Paul applying to the church what Jesus gave to all Christians. Achieving Jesus' great commission, uh, achieving the vision he set before us, it is the purpose of the church. That's why the church is here, to achieve the vision that that Jesus gave us. That's why every Christian church exists. Now now we're going to have a little bit of a think about what that looks like, particularly for us, uh, as we look at late Mac Church's vision and values. Uh, Now if you're visiting from another church or if you're not local around here, I want to encourage you to to look for a church that listens to Jesus in this way. Look for a church that that obeys Jesus and looks to him and his words for how they live and and get involved. But if you're local, I want to encourage you to think with me about what this looks like for us. What is our church here for? What, What is Lake Mac Church here for? Now, now I want to suggest that the reason Lake Mac Church is here is not merely to provide a home for Christians who move to the area. It's not merely to provide a church to go to for Christians who who move here. It's not merely another option uh, for local Christians to give them a better choice. Well, well, if it's not merely those things, what are we here for? Uh, Well, what we have on the the back of your sheets there, and I want to present you today, is, is our church vision. And our vision is sort of just that. It's like what Rob said. It's uh, seeing clearly. Uh, but it's particularly that. When we talk about the word vision, we're, we're thinking about our desired future. Uh, think about what you would like to see, what we believe Jesus wants to see in this church, in the ideal circumstances. 10 years from now, 20 years from now. Uh, what do you want to see here from Lake Mac Church? What, what does Jesus want to see here for Lake Mac Church? Uh, and this is a, a description, I think, of, of what we want to see that reflects what the Bible says, what Jesus teaches. And our desired future, what we want to see is, is a flood of new disciples of Jesus uh, who live a new way of life in Jesus for the glory of God throughout Lake Mac and beyond. Uh, now, that's a, a little sentence that I think we can remember that reminds us Why are we here? Uh, Do we want to see a trickle of new disciples of Jesus? No. Do you want to see like just a rush and then none for 20 years? No. Do you want to see none? No. We we want to see it going on and on and on and on. Almost too many. Uh, That's what we want to see. And and if you don't want that, I want you to think for a moment about the nearly 30,000 people who live within our postcodes. 2264, 2265, there's a lot of people there, just over 30,000 as of last census. How many of them are actively following Jesus? How many of them are giving their lives to following Jesus? Not a great percentage. And when you think of that, I've heard it described as if a, if a firefighter went into a burning building and said, you know what, our goal, our goal is to save 10%. 10% of the people in there, that's how many we want to pull out. How would, you, well, how would you feel about the uh, fire brigade if that was their goal? Every burning building we run into, 10%. What do we want to see? 10%, that would be wonderful, but is that good enough? Uh, that's no, we want to see as many people saved 
uh, from hell and saved to life as we possibly can. A flood of new disciples is. But we, we don't just want a, a conversion. We don't want to say, yeah, yeah, I follow Jesus. I'm there. I'll get baptised. And then never see them again. We, we want to see a real conversion that results in a new life. Uh, followers uh, who live this new way of life in Jesus. Uh, and not just because it's a better life. Not because it makes sense. Not because it works. But because it brings God glory. And we want to see that in our area, but we want to see it everywhere too. Which is why we've sent missionaries to Central Asia. Which is why we support church planting and church planting networks. Uh, This is what we want to see. This is the Great Commission sort of wrangled into a a local description of what we want to see for our church. Now, now how we achieve this vision, that also matters. Uh, we're, We're not free to... Jesus doesn't give us a target and says, achieve it any way you want, any, any way you can. Don't worry about anyone. Just, just make sure you achieve the vision. He cares. He gives us principles. He gives us values to live by. And to help describe the sort of church that we want to be and the sort of principles and values we'll live by as we seek to achieve this vision, uh, we've got six values that we're going to uh, seek to live out in our church. These values, these describe what the Jesus way of life looks like. This new way of life uh, that we want to see our disciples living. And the first one is that we want to, we want to be biblically based as a value. See, see, we are thoroughly committed to the Bible. The Bible's where we meet Jesus, the word of life. Uh, it's, it's the place where we find the name of Jesus, the only name by which we are saved. The Bible is God's word. It's living and breathing. It's sufficient to guide and equip equip us into our new way of life in Jesus. Why why wouldn't we want to be Bible-based? Why wouldn't we want to love it and base everything we do on the living word of God? We want that to be saturated. We want to be hungry for the word of God. Uh, I want to be the sort of church that when, when I discover that I have an extra, extra hour on Saturday morning because I don't have to get up for work, uh, that I go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have an extra long quiet time. Yes. Uh, that, that's the impression. That's the, that's the motive I want to be in me and I want to be in all of us. That says, I get to have a bit extra time with, with my, my Father's word to me, with the living word of God. Because uh, the week's been busy. I've only got a little bit every day through the week. Now I get some extra time. That, that's what being biblically based. Not just, oh yes, I'm biblically based. It, it means saying, I, I love this, I want it, I hunger for it and I will live by it. That, that's the sort of church Jesus said we should be and we want to be. Uh, but it's not only that, we, we, want to be, we want to be prayerful. See, we are 100% dependent on God. That, that's a fact of life. Uh, you might not realise it, we might not like to admit it, but we are. We are enabled, empowered and equipped by his spirit. And so we are prayerfully dependent on him. In Christ, we have a father who loves us, uh, hears us and answers our prayers. Rob talked about that before Dave prayed. We are privileged. We are doing his work as a church. We are enabled by his spirit and will depend on him for it. Uh, So often I find myself trying to do it myself. Uh, not turning to God in prayer, but thinking, how, how can I fix this? How can I make this work? Rather than instinctively thinking, 
I need to ask God about this. I need to ask God for help. I need to give him thanks. I need to pray for this person. This is the sort of church Jesus encourages us to be at and we want to be. Uh, But we want to be more than that. Uh, We want to be relentlessly missional. Not just missional, relentlessly missional. That sounds exhausting, doesn't it? Uh, But but have a think about it. Uh, This is a little phrase I picked up from, from someone else, but I really like it. We will do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. Is that the way you think? Is that the way we want to think? Anything short of sin. He says, okay, I have friends, I have family, I have neighbours, I have colleagues. There are people I know who are, who are missing out on life in Jesus. And they will miss out forever unless they know Christ. What, what would you do for them? What will, what will we do for them? And I want to say we'll do anything short of sin. Jesus says what we can't do, we don't do that. We don't sin, but we'll do anything else, anything we possibly can to see those saved. That's what Paul says. And that's what we want to be, relentlessly missional. Uh, we want to be selfless and make sacrifices for Jesus' mission His church. Uh, by the way, we're skimming through these. We're going to have a whole week on each of these over the coming weeks. I'm going to work through the Bible. I'll show you where these come from. Uh, we'll look at what this will look like in practice. Uh, we also want to live this, this life of love. We want to consider others better than ourselves, humbly and selflessly loving and serving them. We want to be a church that is known to be outrageously generous. That, that, that's, that's, the, that's what I want to be known for. Uh, to be diligent in all we do, to work hard as we love and serve the world, especially one another in the unity of the Spirit, using the gifts God's given us for his glory and the good of others. Eager to do good, to use what God has given us for the good of others. Uh, And we want to be joyful. We want to be joyful. Belonging to Jesus means becoming God's children. Uh, It means gaining an eternal inheritance. Uh, I I heard just down at Dora Creek, News agency, someone won 100 grand the other day. Uh, imagine what they did when they, they saw that, probably on Facebook, checked their ticket. How, how they feel? Pretty, pretty good, I hope. Yeah, you're joyful. This is so much better. Well, we get to be God's children, have an eternal inheritance, be in his family and know him intimately with Jesus forever. This, this is who we are now and who we get to be Forever, With joy we will receive that. A work and suffer and live and long for it. Yeah, the Christian life can be hard. Yes, suffering will come, but we have uh, an indescribable joy. Uh, we're not going to drudge through this life like it's a slog, like there's no joy, because there is great joy to be had. And we want to be holy. Uh, becoming God's children means taking on our Father's characteristics. Uh, we want to have the family resemblance of our Father. We, we want to look like Him. God makes us holy. He calls us to live holy lives as His people. And, and as we put sin to death and take on the likeness of Jesus. These are the values, the things we will strive for as a church. That's what I believe we want to see happen here at Lake Mac Church. That's where I, where I think we want to get to as a vision. And that's who we want to be on the way. Uh, I'd sort of sum it up like this. Uh, I think according to Jesus, we believe that Lake Mac Church should be a a place 
where Christians gather to mature and grow, to train, be, train and be equipped to work together to make more disciples. Uh, and not, not in order, not say, okay, well, I'd better spend 10 years maturing and growing and another 10 equipping and, you know, and then maybe before I die I can get... No, no, we, we want to do this all at once, again and again, over and over, all together, uh, all at the same time, and, and all with purpose, all with direction. Now, now, to help us wrap our heads around what this might look like, uh, as opposed to uh, what we might just be a normal church... And do I want to use this illustration using the gym? Uh, foreign illustration to me, but I'll give it a shot. Uh, actually, I want to I want to use two gyms. I, I want to compare a normal gym versus the Wallabies gym. Now, the Wallabies are the Australian rugby union team. In case you don't know, so the, the normal gym and the Wallabies gym. Now, if you were to compare those two training rooms or gym, uh, you would see much of the same equipment. There'd be a lot of familiar equipment. You'd see people doing many of the same exercises. You'd actually see similar looking people, you know, pretty buff. Uh, but there'd be one striking difference. See, see, at the Wallabies gym, they are doing everything with a purpose. Everything they do in that gym has a goal, has a purpose. A, a common purpose that they're united in, that guides and determines every single thing that happens in that gym. See, in a regular gym... Often there's this general, vague goal to get fit. You know, oh, get fit, get stronger, look better. There's this sort of general goal. But in the Wallabies gym, there is a, a clear, crisp goal. You can ask anyone there, why are you here? Why are you training to be a better rugby player? To get better, so that we can win more games. That, that's why I'm here. That's the only reason I'm going. That's why I am here. It's clear, it's crisp. Every exercise is targeted at making the players better, stronger, faster, fitter, more effective rugby players. See, see there's lots of good exercises uh, and training that you just won't find in the Wallabies gym. Uh, Don Bradman, uh, I think you've probably heard of him. Uh, I, I don't know if you know this, I, I find it fascinating. He spent his childhood playing a game he invented. Uh, he had a golf ball and a cricket stump and an old water tank that had corrugations on it. And he'd spend his days throwing the cricket ball at the water tank, so you can imagine the predictability of the bouncers, throw it, sorry, golf ball at the water tank, and then he'd hit it with the cricket stump. Not just any, I think that'd be pretty impressive. Hit it and hit the laundry door. That, that, that's what he would do over and over and over and over again. Great training. I want to rec- if you're a cricket star, give it, give it a go. It's, it's, it obviously works. Uh, it, it's tried and tested, it's proven. But, but you won't find a single wallaby in that gym doing that. Why not? It's a good exercise. It's good training. It obviously works. But, but it's not going to help them become better rugby players. It's a good exercise. It'll help them get better at cricket. But, but it's not going to help them be better rugby players. See, see, see we want to be a, a wallaby's gym kind of church. In that we need to know our purpose. We need to know why we're here. There's no point perfecting your freestyle stroke if you're trying to play rugby. You've got to know why you're here to direct your training, to know what you should do. We want to let our goal, our purpose, our vision shape and set what we do in church so that everything we do is working towards achieving that goal. 
achieving that vision that Jesus has set for us. Now, you might have heard of this phrase, there's more than one way to skin a cat. I hope that's not offensive to anybody here. Not condoning the skinny of cats. Uh, But but I I want to throw that because the Bible often doesn't tell us exactly how to achieve a goal. The Bible often doesn't give us the step one, step two, step three, how to, how to make disciples. It, it doesn't give us that often. We often get a direction. We're given the goal. We're given principles. We're given values to guide our decisions in our life. We're shown the sort of people we're meant to be. But then a lot of the practical stuff is left to us, which means there are loads of different ways to achieve this same goal that Jesus has given us. Uh, And some of them will look very different to others. They might still be achieving the goal and they'll look very different. But it also means that as a church, we can't do everything. It means that as a community, we can't use every strategy. We can't do everything that we could be doing to achieve that goal. Now, uh, what time to have church is a good example of this. Uh, When we thought about, well, what time should we meet together and have church during the week? We looked at the Bible. Okay, does Jesus tell us that we have to have church on 9.30 on Sunday morning? Check for a couple. No, it's not there. He he doesn't give us a guideline on exactly when we should have church. Uh, So as a church, we discussed, we thought, well, what time of the week will be be best to have our service? And and ultimately, the leadership had to make a decision. Ultimately, we, we had to choose some time, which means not choosing some other times. And 4pm is where we landed. Biblically, 4pm is no better or worse as a time. And other leaders may well have made different decisions. But moving the service to what seems to be a more accessible time for many in our community fitted with the goals that Jesus has given us. And so as a church, as a community, we gave it a crack. Now, Now there's going to be lots of decisions like that that we come up to. There'll be our model of home groups, our missional strategy... The way we do music, that's our big one. Uh, Often, we are given direction by Jesus, the principles, but not the how-to. And this is where I want to use another illustration to help us navigate this potentially tricky patch. Uh, And this illustration uh, is, is rowing in a team. Now, as far as I understand, the most important part of rowing is getting your timing right, especially if you're rowing with others. Maybe, you know, not falling out of the boat's good, but yeah, if you're in a team and you're rowing, the most important thing is getting your timing right. And when you see a rowing team just doing it, isn't it just gorgeous? You think, yeah, isn't that lovely? Uh, now, there's a saying that goes across many sports. It applies to rowing. I'd rather have a champion team than a team of champions. So, see, a team of average people who work together with the same unified plan and strategy will always be better than a team of exceptional people who are all doing their own thing. I'd rather have a champion team than a team of champions. That, that, that's the way it works across pretty well every team sport. So it, it's possible to be on a rowing team, to have great big muscles, to have great ideas about how to win, to be rowing the same direction as everyone else with the same goal, but if you're out of time with the rest of your team, the results can be catastrophic. Uh, as you see, if you watch any amateur <laughs> rowing regattas. Uh, see, you, you can be doing your best to help that team. Uh, you, you can be trying to get across the finishing line. You're not trying to sabotage them. But if you're rowing to a different rhythm, if you're working on a different strategy, 
if you're having a different technique, uh, you, you spend the whole time clattering your oars against your rowing mates. If you're rowing same direction but opposite time, you're just getting in the way. You're slowing everyone down and it just doesn't work. Now, now if you have some ideas, if you think, I, I've got some ideas about how we could do church better, about how we could reach more people, something new we could start, something we should stop doing, something we can change, I, I want to encourage you to come and see us. We, we'd love to hear your ideas. <laughs> we'll quiz you. We'll dig in. Come prepared. It won't be interrogation. Don't worry. Uh, we might change what we're doing. We'd love to hear your ideas. We might adopt some new practices and probably we'll ask you to help us roll it out since it was your great idea. Be prepared. But, but sometimes you'll come to us with an idea or an opinion and we won't go with that option because we'll be doing something else. Now, I want to encourage you that as long as it, whatever we do choose is consistent with the goal, that it's consistent with the principles and values that Jesus gives us, if it's consistent, even if it's not your preference, I, I want to encourage you to, to get on board, to look around at your teammates, at your church, uh, and say, well, I like the direction we're heading. Uh, th- I really like the direction we're heading. I love these people, and while I might prefer a different way of doing this, this will work. This fits with what Jesus says, and I, I reckon it'll, it'll take us in the right direction. I'd make a different decision if it was up to me, but hey... This is okay. And, and then get stuck in. Pick up your oar and row in time with everyone else because that's how we're going to make progress. Uh, row to the particular rhythm that our church has decided on as we work together at Jesus' task of rescuing people. Now, now this is where our picture that we use often, the picture of a rescue ship comes in. Now, a rescue ship, uh, we, we compare it to a cruise liner, don't we? Cruise liners, there's usually about... 150 staff to about 500 passengers. That's, that's the general ratios. Lots of people sitting around drinking martinis, eating food, and a few people just working their guts out. Now, I want to say we are not a cruise liner church. Uh, it's not a church where you come, you get a service, throw a couple of bucks in the offertory, sit back, drink a martini, get out your deck chair, and, and let the other people here serve you. We're not a cruise liner. Instead, we're a rescue boat. Now, I want you to take a guess. How many passengers do you think that boat's got? You know, people who are just along for the ride. How many deck chairs do you think they've got on that boat? Where's the bar? The all-you-can-eat restaurant. There's, there's not one. That's the point. And we want to be a rescue ship kind of boat. Because we have a purpose. We have a, a task. There are drowning people everywhere we look and we need to do everything we can to pull them out of the water. And so there's not room on the deck for deck chairs because we've got triage going on. We've got people leaning over the edge trying to drag people out of the water. Now, now when you pull someone out of the water, you need a break. You you need some uh, healing, some rest, some help. When someone gets transferred from another ship... You need rest, you need training, you need energising. And that's the same with us. I want to assure you, being a rescue ship kind of church, it doesn't mean we're going to churn people out. We're not going to work people to death. We don't want to exhaust people. We don't want to leave people scattered behind us as we charge forward on our vision. This church, we want it to be a place of healing and rest. 
Uh, absolutely. We want it to be a place of teaching and discipling where you can mature and grow. Absolutely. But we will do that not for its own sake, not for the sake of healing, not for the sake of resting, not even for the sake of growing and maturing. We're doing it all with a purpose, for Jesus' purpose, so that together we can continue to the best of our ability to to rescue people. That is to, to see a flood of new disciples of Jesus. People dragged out of the ocean, drowning people saved. These people who not are just dragged out and sort of flop there on the deck, but who recover and start living this new way of life in Jesus to God's glory throughout Lake Mac and beyond. Uh, so I want to encourage you, please join me. Join Rob and Alice and I and those who are on board. Join us. Uh, get on board with where we're going. Uh, but, but I've got a bit of a process for you. It's the same process we often use. It's our head, hard hands process. So, so think about what I'm saying. Have a read. Listen to your Bibles. Tune your ear to the Bible and then turn back to what I've said and think, is this in line with what Jesus said? Is this in tune with the vision and direction Jesus set for his church? I believe it is. wouldn't be up here if I didn't. But, but be, be convinced mentally in your head that this is right, this is good, and this is where we want to go. Uh, and then don't just know it, but feel it. Uh, engage your hearts. And that, that's going to mean spending some time with God. That's going to mean spending some time uh, reading your Bible, praying, uh, encountering God through his word, through prayer. Talk to him. Engage your hearts. Think, is this what I want? Not just what I know I should want, but do I, do I really deeply desire? Am I emotionally wanting to get on board with this? And I want to encourage you to pursue that. Keep doing it. God will give you the heart that he wants for his people if you pursue it. Pray. Seek seek his heart and he will give it to you. But even that's not enough. I want to ask more. Engage your head, engage your heart, engage your hands. You know there this is going. I want to encourage you, actually do it. Don't just say you're on board. Don't just even feel it, but but do it. Let's give this, uh, achieving this vision, everything we've got. Now, now this week, I'll be sending out our prayer matters email. Uh, if you don't get that email and you'd like, uh, please pop your details on the connection card, put it on the connecting table or in the box. Uh, you'll get on that email list. Uh, and we're going to talk through in the email some of the ways that you can get your hands dirty for this mission. Uh, actually do it. Uh, we talk in our Under the Bonnet course about committing your time, your talent and your treasure. Uh, your time... That's self-explanatory. Your talent, what God has gifted you in. We've all got gifts. They're all different. Uh, And and your treasure, your money. We've got to pay the bills. We've got to do this. And we're going to need all three of those from all of us if we have any hope of seeing our vision come. If we have any hope of of seeing this vision, of of seeing a flood of new disciples of Jesus. Not just a trickle, not, not just a smattering over the years, but a flood who are transformed living a new way of life in Jesus to the glory of God through Lake Mac and beyond. Now, now I, want to, I want to end by, by reading a bit of a longer vision statement. It's an, it's an actual vision that was given to John the Apostle from the book of Revelation. Uh, God revealed to John. He said, this is my plan. This is where it's all, all headed. It's going to be on the screen. But if you want to turn that, it, it's in Revelation chapter 7. 
And this is where Jesus showed John, he said, this is where we're headed. And this is what our church is contributing to as we seek to achieve our vision in our little part of the world. Revelation chapter 7, I'll read from verses 9 right down to verse 17. This is John. And after this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, uh, from every nation, tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And the angels were standing around the throne, and the elders and the four living creatures... And they fell down on their faces before the throne. And they worshipped God saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they? Where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the centre of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Let's sing.